0: Please listen carefully.
1: Hello, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Kate Orslan. And I'm Laura Farley.
0: Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. The information, forms, and laws referenced in this episode are accurate as of the date this episode is first released. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hi, Kate. Laura. How are you?
1: feels like it's been a while. I know. I don't know if that's right or not. It just like, feels like it. Feels like it, though. Yes. I'm glad to be back here with you. I know. Hello, listeners.
0: We're glad that you're back with us as well.
1: Has it been a while? Hopefully Settle not for in. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about
0: a class that... Um, uh, did you dread con- contracts class in law school, or did you enjoy it?
1: You know, I think I think I was lightly terrified of my law contracts professor. Oh, really?
0: Ours was really cool, and I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I actually have a um, Justice Scalia bobblehead
1: I've seen it. In my
0: office that I, I won. I can verify this is yes. true. I won my bobblehead in my contracts class because my contracts professor makes bobbleheads of Supreme Court justices and we would do a like quiz show during breaks in class, and if you got your answers right, then you got a bobblehead. Hmm. So, and I just happened to get Scalia because that's who was available that day. And then George Mason University School of Law has been renamed after Justice Scalia. So it feels even more appropriate now.
1: There you go. So um,
0: we're not talking about bobbleheads today, though.
1: I'd like an episode on bobbleheads. Let's see if we can figure out a way
0: to do an entire episode.
1: (laughs) If we end the episode now, it would be an entire episode on bobbleheads.
0: Yes, but I think our listeners might be a little disappointed if we ended the episode now. Or relieved. That's true. (laughs) Well, those of you that would be relieved, go ahead and stop listening now. it's (laughs) as though we ended right away, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, but instead of talking about bobbleheads and ending right now, we're going to talk about contracts and counteroffers and addenda and how all of that works.
1: Oh man, we do get a lot of questions about when an agreement is legally binding, so we thought we'd cover some of the basics of contract formation and negotiations.
0: We've done a couple of episodes on contracts, but since it's been over a year since the last one, we're going to start with the basics as a refresher.
1: To form a contract, there needs to be an offer and an acceptance of that offer.
0: And any change to the offer creates a
1: counteroffer. So far, pretty straightforward, right? I'd like to think so. I hope so. But here's where we get the first set of questions. When do you make a counteroffer? What happens to that original offer? The example we often get will be that a buyer submits an offer. The seller counters with a higher price, but then starts to get nervous when they don't hear back from the buyer. So the seller decides they want to accept the buyer's original lower offer. Can they do that?
0: I'm going to avoid my favorite answer, and I'm going to say probably not. In general, a counteroffer is a rejection followed by a new offer. So under contract law, there are ways that this can be changed, but generally the person making the counteroffer cannot go back and accept a previous offer.
1: Keep in mind that while most people think of this in the context of the initial contract negotiation, it applies throughout the transaction.
0: That's right. So another common situation we get questions about is during the negotiations usually related to the home inspection. Unless the language on the form says otherwise, as the parties negotiate, counter offers are rejections with new offers and the old offer cannot be accepted
1: later. Just remember, no zombie contracts or agreements. Once an offer is countered, it's rejected which means that offer is dead. It's done.
0: Please don't be responsible for a contract zombie apocalypse,
1: please. It's terrifying. Yeah. So let's move on from that frightening prospect. Okay. Move on to happier, happy thoughts. Like when a contract is formed. Hooray! Because that's, that's what all. you guys are all working towards, right? Is contract formation. You've formed a contract.
0: So you've gotten through all of the negotiations and counteroffers, and now you've got an agreement.
1: When does a contract become a contract? How
0: do you make a contract? (laughs) (laughs) I see this taking a hard left turn. Let's get back on track, Kate. Focus. I
1: don't know. Let's just... uh, Focus.
0: So we've already said this. It's when there's an offer and acceptance,
1: correct? Right. But there's another requirement. Okay. What is it? communication of that acceptance. Right. Unless the contract specifies,
0: there is no required format for communicating that acceptance as long as it's something that the other person can reasonably understand. So those of you that have been in my classes before and you've seen my joke about doing an interpretive dance would not communicate something that somebody would be able to I've understand. Never,
1: I really wish i have been in your class for that because I've never actually, although I've seen you teach many times, I've never actually heard you talk about an interpretive dance. Oh, man, you're missing out. Oh, I feel like I am. <laughs> oh, Okay. This means that calling or texting the other side my client has signed is enough to communicate that acceptance, but probably an interpretive dance is not correct. correct. I think that's where you were going. That is exactly (laughs) where I was
0: going with that.
1: Um, The best practice is to
0: send a copy of the ratified contract to the other side. And that way there's no questions about the status. And you're also ensuring that it wasn't in fact a counteroffer because sometimes somebody will say, oh, we're ratified, send the documents over when in fact there was a counteroffer because terms changed.
1: Now, why are we talking about this? And how does it come up frequently on the legal hotline? Well, that's going to be the infamous date of ratification. Most
0: of the standard forms have a field for the date of ratification, but we often get the question of what happens if someone signs an offer today, but then doesn't notify the other side
1: until tomorrow? <sighs> Laura, it is our favorite. It's time for our favorite answer. Woo-hoo! It's going to depend on the contract. (laughs) If the contract requires delivery for ratification, then the date of ratification isn't actually until the day that the contract is delivered. Are you with me? Yeah. Regardless of what's written in the date field. So, Kate, what if the form doesn't require delivery for ratification? What then? Well, in Virginia, a contract is not enforceable until acceptance has been communicated. This means that the contract isn't enforceable until it's delivered, and for the purpose of that Deadlines, they won't start running until that acceptance has been delivered.
0: Now, we need to be clear that delivered in this context means sent, not necessarily received, so
1: long as the method of sending was reasonable. So if I email you at 1159 p.m. on the 1st of the month, but you don't see it until 7 a.m. on the 2nd of the month, because I am in early to bed, early to rise, right I would even say 7 a.m. is late for you. That's very late for me. (laughs) The clock still started running on the 1st because I snuck it in. At 11.59 p.m. Right on the 1st. Doesn't matter that you didn't see it.
0: Makes sense. Now, I do want to add one other caveat to that, which is it has to be properly sent. So if there's a typo in the person's email address or something like that, then that's not going to count for delivery.
1: Good point, as usual. Of course.
0: All right, Kate, let's take it to the legal hotline.
1: On the Virginia Realtor's contract, who is supposed to fill in the date of ratification? What happens if it's left blank? So the last person to sign the contract should
0: fill in the date of ratification. Under contract law, the date of ratification is the date that all parties agree in writing and the agreement is communicated. So period, that's what the definition is. So if the field is left blank... The date of ratification is the date that the last person signed or acceptance is communicated, whichever is later. All right, Kate, if I get a contract with a blank date of ratification, can I fill it in or does that now create a counteroffer? excellent question.
1: You can fill that date in without creating a counteroffer as it's informational, same as the agent's contact information found on that last page of the contract. My buyer received a counteroffer and signed the contract late at night. I got it from them the next morning when I was out. Before I had a chance to tell the listing agent that the buyer signed, I got a text from the listing agent saying that they had received another offer that they were going with. Can they do this?
0: Unfortunately, yes. In this case, the seller is able to move on to the other offer because even though your buyer had signed the contract, acceptance had not been delivered to the seller or listing agent. In a hot market like this, um, this is why it's really important that communicating acceptance is so important. As soon as your buyer decided to accept the counter offer, you could have communicated that acceptance to the listing agent knowing that your clients wouldn't sign it until later that night to lock down the seller. All right, Kate, let's say we have that exact same situation, um, but in this case I texted the listing agent as soon as my clients agreed to the counter, but they didn't sign it right away because they were about to board an airplane. The buyer told me that they would sign when they landed in five hours. When the buyer landed, they called me and said they discussed the counteroffer on the flight and had changed their mind. The seller now wants to sue unless the buyer gives them the EMD. Can they do that?
1: Wonderful question. First things first. In this litigious society, anyone can sue anyone, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. But then the... So, yes. Can totally sue. But the real question is a matter of if the seller can successfully sue, right? Yeah, that's more what we care about. More what we care about. But it's it's hard to prevent a lawsuit from being filed, which we do get that question a lot on the hotline. Yep. In Virginia, contracts for the sale of real property must be in writing, contain the essential terms, and be signed by the party to be bound. In this case, the statute of frauds likely wasn't met because the buyer never signed anything. This is assuming that your text to the listing agent didn't contain all of the essential terms and potentially created a contract. Big caveat oh, there. Yes, very big. <laughs> but for more information on all of that, check out our episode, Are You Creating an Unintended Contract by Text?, I want to also say that that was R as in the letter R, and then U as in the letter U, which you can't hear over the podcast, but that's how we titled the episode. I I think it was your episode, too. I think that's (laughs) part of why you're so excited about that title. Was it mine? I think so. It was mine. Uh, From February 19, 2019, episode 87. (laughs) And thus concludes our legal hotline questions.
0: It does. So let's (laughs) talk about ways that our members can limit their risk. So the first is that you wanna make sure that you know what your contract requires for
1: ratification and then follow that. Make sure you communicate your client's acceptance to the other side quickly to ensure the agreement is ratified. And remember that once an offer has
0: been countered, you cannot accept it in the future unless your counter offer is explicit that you're not rejecting the previous offer, you're just proposing something
1: new. And when in doubt, contact your broker And or us on the Legal Hotline. We'd love to talk to you. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes and rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our Legal Hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the four members section. Make sure you are logged in to see this page. Thanks, bye.
0: Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as a public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is, it-depends basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as the substitute for the advice of competent counsel.
1: This has been a production of Virginia Realtors Copyright 2020. This podcast features the song Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Alike license.